0: The ride. Welcome to another episode of the Zico Health Show. This is Weight Management Expert Narado Zico Powell. And I have an episode for you that I've been trying to record. Feels like years now, but we <laughs> <really> had <been> a <laughs> couple of months. We had some scheduling problems. Uh well, yeah, I have an emotional eating expert, Trisha Nelson, and this is such a hot topic. This is such, not even as hot as it should be, because we think, oh, I, I, why, why do I feel like I have to eat these of foods all the time? Why do I feel like I'm a slave to, to the foods that I eat? Well, these are just some of the things we're going to talk about in this episode, because and then a lot of times we don't even realize that we struggle with emotional eating, so then we're going to talk about ways to recognize it. So of course, you know, I try to give the best intro I can, but I don't always grasp everything we're going to talk about. And this is a perfect example of it. Because this interview with Trisha is really going to open your eyes. But before I bring this wonderful guest on, I want to quickly bring up some data that I found. It's, uh, it's from APAA.org. And they state, That 27% of adults say they eat to manage stress, and 34% of those who report overeating or eating unhealthy foods because of stress say this behavior is a habit. You hear that? Say it's a habit. So then we just think, oh, it's just normal, right? I'm stressed out. I need to eat. Not even think about cortisol, hormones, all that stuff we're going to talk about, but I'm just stressed out. I need to eat, and it becomes a habit. Think about how dangerous that is. And guess what? Not just eating, but skipping meals due to stress can also fall under emotional eating because you may not be eating enough or eating the right foods. So yeah, you may not think that you struggle with emotional eating. And yeah, I'm here to tell you, to help you, to guide you through this journey. And that's what this discussion is about. But if you're skipping meals, you may fall under that umbrella. So when I say emotions or emotional eating, I'm not just going to talk about stress. We're not just going to talk about cortisol. We're going to talk about so much more. So get ready for this because you're going to really love this episode. Trisha has years of experience helping clients identify and heal underlying causes that creates an emotional eater. And with that being said, let's welcome Trisha to the show. Hi, Trisha. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'm glad we could finally connect. This is awesome.
0: I know, right? Third time's a charm, apparently. <laughs> so, so I always like to start my show off with, "Tell us about yourself. Tell us who you are. Tell us about your journey. Tell us about Helio Hunger. Who is Trisha Nelson?"
1: Yeah, well, I was an emotional eater from the get go, I think. But of course, I didn't think that way. I thought I just liked food. And I did. I love to eat. I loved to cook. I love to serve food to other people, go out to restaurants, you know, which would have been all well and good, except for the fact that in, during my adolescence, I started to really put on a lot of weight. And by age 21, I was 50 pounds overweight. So That was pretty painful. I had a roll in my tummy that I would scrunch up and imagine cutting off the way you cut fat off the side of a steak. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll get some disease where I automatically lose weight without dieting. Or I even thought, well, maybe I'll join the army and I'll be forced to exercise at boot camp because I hated to exercise. (laughs) So I was kind of like desperate, if you can tell. (laughs) You know, and the reason why is because I... Did so many things. I mean, I did the diets. I, you know, I, of course, the first thing you do when you're not comfortable in your weight is you go on a diet, you know, and you go on an exercise program, join a gym. But, but the thing is, for me, I would lose weight and then put it back on, you know, and I was in good company because 98% of all diets fail. So, um, but for me, that was definitely my experience. I had about five different sizes of pants in my closet. Cause I never knew what size I was going to be. And I always was hoping that it get down to my skinny jeans, my skinny size again. Um, but it really, uh, wasn't panning out for me. And I felt very discouraged to say the least, because I had done so many diets and yo-yoed, I was a yo-yo dieter. Um, but what happened for me is, I met somebody who helped me go deeper, like stopped dealing with the symptom of food and weight and looking at why I was eating when I wasn't hungry, why I was stuffing myself when I'd eat, you know, why I couldn't just have one, I had to go eat the whole bag or the whole container. So when I started going there um, and, and addressing that stuff, then I started to, and managing my stress, you talked a lot about stress just now, um, really learning how to deal with my stress and with my emotions, learning how to just metabolize emotions, you know, so that they didn't bowl me over all the time. All that made the difference for me. And I was able to lose the 50 pounds and keep it off. And it's been for a couple of decades now.
0: Wow. That's fantastic. You know, one of the, actually the most, the favorite, my most favorite, that's kind of like a double positive there, but my, uh, I would say my favorite thing, is when I have somebody on the show that has experienced what they're talking about. You know, you can get a certification, you can, you, can, um, you can become a medical doctor, you can get a master's degree, but if you don't, if you never experience what your clients and people you're working with have gone through, you can try, and I'm not saying there are not some good people who have, but it's hard to truly have empathy.
1: Because yeah. empathy starts
0: with understanding. And that's what having Trisha on the show because she knows exactly what she's talking about.
1: Yeah, it's so true. You know, and I think people who um struggle with food and weight, I think we sort of tune out people who haven't who are trying to give us advice. I mean, you really nailed it there because you know, when someone's skinny is telling me, you know, what to eat. You know, part of me is like, how the hell would you know? <laughs> you know, so um so it it does help. I will tell you, you know, I always come from my personal experience. Um, I mean, I'm skinny now, but I I have the experience of being fat and it's a miserable experience. In fact, the whole reason I do what I do, um, Narado is I I I can I never want to go back there. And I went back so many times, it's like I I am so passionate about helping others and the beautiful magic of trying to be helpful to other people from your own experience is that you, you, you can kind of protect yourself from having to ever go there again. And that's really what drives me. No question.
0: That's lovely. And I also believe that that response of how do you know, can also trigger from also triggers from emotions, right? Because you're holding on to the food that you love and you feel like, you know, you don't understand me because you've never loved food the way that I do. Right. Yeah. So yeah.
1: And it's true. I mean, people, I think people who haven't had the problem. And again, like you said, there's a very well-meaning people, coaches, doctors, therapists who want to help. And they're totally sincere, but there's a bit of a disconnect because it's a strange thing. And I'm glad when nobody is experienced, when somebody hasn't experienced what I've experienced, you know, cause it's kind of a living hell, but, but there is a certain kind of, I mean, it's a rare, it's a not, it's not rare, but it's, it's It's um, different, you know, to be powerless over a cookie and somebody who hasn't had that experience will say, oh, just cut down on your sweets, you know, just, uh, just run an extra five miles this week or just, you know, moderate, I would call that the M word, you know, people who are emotional eaters, we have an emotional attachment to food and so logic doesn't fit into the picture so even though it's logical, Eat less, exercise more, you know, and people give that advice. If you sit where I've sat, you can't just you can't just moderate. Like you can't eat fewer sweets. You can't just eat a bowl of ice cream or a bowl of cereal and stop. You you keep going. And it defies logic because it's like, why would you why would you do that to yourself when your intention is to lose weight? And the question, the answer is that in and what and this is why pe- people, you know, they don't know this, and this is why I'm so glad we're here talking about this. The reason is because of our emotional connection to the foods and it takes over, you know, and we're filling a deep, you know, a deep hole, you know, that's sort of in this unfillable hole, you know, with food. Um, And so it's, again, it defies logic, but it is a pattern that plagues so many people and they don't know why they do it. You know, they don't know why they do it. And they certainly don't talk about it because it's embarrassing and shameful, So then they just hold on to it, you know, and they don't get help for it. As a result, they just keep beating their head against the wall with another diet.
0: Exactly, which we're going to talk about again, 98% of diets fail, right? But before we get to that question, how does one know they're an emotional eater or a food addict?
1: Great question. Yeah, my experience is that It's it's a spectrum. So I like to just kind of indict everybody and say that we're we all have an we all have a propensity to go overboard once in a while. Like I I don't know anybody who doesn't. I mean, my boyfriend is a total normie around food. Like he's just normal. But if you put a bag of potato chips in front of him, he will eat the whole bag and feel gross. (laughs) So he even he has the, you know, he can go overboard once in a while, you know, and so. Um, I think we all have that capacity and food is comforting. You know, I think we're hardwired to have an emotional connection with food. You know, think of breastfeeding for a child and a mother. That's a really important bond. Um, So I think we all have it in us. So the question is, what's the difference between all of us and some of us who take it way too far? And that's me. And so to me, it's a spectrum. And on the low end of the spectrum is emotional eating, just kind of Going overboard here and there and on the high end of the spectrum is food addiction and where where you just you know you you go into this dark hole of binge eating you know and gaining weight and feeling terrible and having to go up a a size in pants you know and that that rabbit hole of overeating where you start and then you can't stop that's on the high end of the spectrum and I actually have a quiz on my website that enables people to figure out where they are on the spectrum. So my emotional eating quiz is um, on my website, healyourhunger.com. And if people take the quiz, they'll literally get a personalized score to find out where they are on that spectrum.
0: I check that out when I'll do my research for this show. I'll make sure that the uh, the links to the um to her website are in the description of the show notes. I'm believing this one's gonna be com slash Trisha N how I do them so because yeah that's that's really good it's really good to know where you're starting I think where most of us and I like the fact you mentioned it's a spectrum you know get up one day and you're like oh I'm an emotional eater I need help you know it is a spectrum it starts somewhere and where a lot of us don't realize where it starts because I've had my connections with food I'm from the Caribbean we love to eat right and we eat everything (laughs) in sight um but my, a lot of mine was cultural, right? It was started with, you know, you got to eat this. You got to do that bun and cheese and, and you know, um, patty with cocoa bread. And, you know, my accent's coming out a little bit. Uh, I don't know if I can say it. <laughs> um, you know, we get into, because I was playing Bob Marley on my guitar before this. so maybe my accent is kicking in a little bit. But anyway, you know, I, it started with that cultural piece of it. But right. then the other side to it is when we are stressed, and we don't see a way out, especially we have a lot going on at the same time and we don't take time for ourselves. When our cortisol levels start to raise, our emotion is imbalanced, we look for comfort. Well, we yeah. tend to look for comfort in things that we are familiar with. If you're from Caribbean, you're from Jamaica, you're going to want some jerk chicken and some curry chicken and some rice and peas and some beef patty and all that stuff. If you know, you're know you from uh, no, different countries, different cultures, you're going to want something different. And that's where we move from being emotional eaters, because we don't address it when it first happened, to when we start to move up to that spectrum to where you become a food addict, where, where even before then you do need help, but you definitely need help when you're at that, when you're at that level.
1: You bet. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, I, I, most of the people come to me for help are in the higher end of the spectrum. They're not necessarily food food addicted, but they are emotional eaters who have lost control. You know, and let me just tell you a little bit more about that spectrum. It's really um, where somebody is on that spectrum is informed by two things primarily one is control, and the other is consequences. So somebody who has quite a lot of control. So they might go overboard during a, like uh, a, a vacation, they eat too much wine, eat too much cheese and bread, you know, and they gain five pounds. Um, that's very low on the consequence scale, okay? So it's not a huge consequence to gain five pounds, but it's uncomfortable. So they, they, they cut out sweets and they jog extra for a couple of weeks and boom, the five pounds is off. That's somebody with a lot of control. Like they can course correct, right? So they're on the lower end of the spectrum. Versus somebody on the higher end of the spectrum, you know, they start to eat. They do. They pitch one binge, and then they 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 swear they're not going to do it. And the next day, they do it again. They they get pick up some chocolate, you know, a, after work, or some ice cream, and then then it's chips, and it just kind of devolves and becomes really discouraging for them. And you know, it's it's weeks before they get back on track. That's somebody with very little control. And more consequences because somebody who does that is doing a lot of yo-yoing and it it catches up to, you You know, you can't, you know, you 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 can't do that without starting to gain weight. Like it's hard to lose the weight. You just hard to keep keep up, especially if you're trying to use exercise to offset binges, it's gonna be hard, you know. And so you're gonna end up gaining weight. And the more weight somebody has on them, of of course the more consequences they're going to have or the more yo-yoing they do, the more consequences they're going to have, the more sugar they eat, the more consequences they're going to have. So that's how people end up on somewhere on that spectrum is the level of control that they have and the the number of consequences that are starting to mount on account of their eating behaviors.
0: Wow, that's really true. And I want to um, I'm not going to add on much to what you said, but I want to I want to talk about the exercise piece so this is something that i've encountered a lot with not really not my clients because of course i correct them but individuals outside of that is they think okay you know what new year right new year new me let's start working out lose some weight right or they're like you know what i feel like i need to get ready for bikini season let's lose some weight right but then they start to do all this high intensity stuff they want to do this running they want to they want to get their heart rate up because that's what they're taught to do to lose weight stuff like that and then that Creates so many issues in so many ways. When you're doing a lot of high intensity work, it keeps your cortisol levels really high. Now, if you're an emotional eater, and you are, you are, and especially if you're under a lot of stress, yes, working out can help to release endorph- endorphins and lose and lessen stress. But a lot of high intensity work tells your body that you're in danger, which then tells your body to keep your cortisol levels high. Then that leads to cravings. What do we generally crave? Sugars and processed foods. So the type of workout you do has so much to do with it. But then this is the other piece, and this is why emotional eating and weight management is not just a mind thing. Because what starts to happen is you start to crave certain foods, then you the sugary foods actually go through mitochondrial pathways one, three, four, and five, which are high inflammation, high oxidative stress pathways which impacts your brain and all that inflammation then essentially impacts your body. So flip side to, the flip side to that then is, is what? You actually feel worse. You can actually gain weight. You may actually even lose strength. You may, your energy levels may be lower. Because anytime you're in a high oxidative stress and high inflammation state, these things happen. And this is why I have an expert on this show to talk about these topics, because these are the things that we do not address enough. Amen. So diets, we've hinted on it a little bit already. 98% of diets fail. I 100% agree with you. So why do they fail?
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Isn't that a dismal statistic? I mean, and, and people, I mean, if you search Amazon right now for diet books, you'll get 60,000 results. You know, it's like there are jillions of diets. They all pretty much say the same thing, like eat healthy proteins and fats and vegetables, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's not rocket science, but we always want the new fad diet because we're always trying to find the hack, you know, and my experience is so long as you're focusing. On the symptom of food and weight, you're going to be missing it if you have an emotional connection with food. If it's not just math, right? Calories in, calories out, calories burned, you know, you got to factor in the emotional eating piece and and diets don't. And the thing about diets is, you know, I was using food for emotional reasons. So when I would cut out all the foods I was depending on that were getting me by, that were my form of coping with stress you know, I was stress eating. And if you take away all my ooey gooey, chewy foods, the carbs and the, you know, the sugars, like you talked about, you take those away. I don't like, that's my main form of coping. Like that's my go-to you take that away. I have no, like diets are great for a couple of weeks. Like I'm doing it looking good, feeling good, pants getting loose. People are commenting, you know, it's a big high, but then, then it pales and you start just like craving food and wishing you could eat and looking at somebody eating a hamburger and like you know <laughs> drooling you know and you just you're like this sucks i hate this i want to go back to my favorite foods and you do so that's kind of that's the pattern you know maybe you can go longer than 2 weeks for a while but ultimately people always put the weight back on because they don't have a new way of coping They've taken the food away and not, they haven't replaced it with new healthier ways of coping. And ultimately they just go back to what they know, you know, and diets don't give you those tools.
0: Are you, have you ever watched the show, The Biggest Loser? Yes. So I don't know if you know about this research, but they did do re- some research on the show and they realized that most people after the show gained the weight back and more.
1: Of course, of course so they, they do.
0: that's exactly what you're just talking about. They gain all, they lose all this weight. They try to starve themselves and then they gain it right back. Oh, it's a
1: a tragedy. I mean, it's the, the, what happens to those people from that show is a tragedy.
0: It really is. And let me tell you something. Moderation doesn't work. I don't care what anybody tells you. I don't care what your mama, grandparents, uncle tell you. Moderation doesn't work because if moderation worked, you will all be running around here with 10% body fat
1: yeah <laughs> moderation
0: doesn't work um and from my personal experience with my clients it doesn't work and there are a couple of reasons why for one we have to look at our our gut enzymes our gut enzymes are different based on many reasons our ancestral background what our parents used to eat our grandparents where you're from food you eat now those are two of the biggest things that impact your gut enzymes Now, someone restricts their diet and they stop eating food, right? Okay, you stop eating or eat a lot less food than you did before. But you have to feed your good gut bacteria. Now, when you don't have enough gut enzymes to break down what you're actually eating because you're starving yourself, then you're going to want more food. And people got to be very mindful of that. You know, the, the... I remember when I was a kid, I would watch certain shows and someone's getting ready for like, uh, I grew up in the teen drama area and the time of my life when, you know, the girl wants to get ready for a cheerleader, for the cheerleading squad and she'll eat celery and something like that. And she wouldn't eat breakfast. She wouldn't eat any food. She would starve herself to lose weight. Right. And those kind of habits lead to emotional eating because we think, oh, we just got to eat less to lose weight. No, that's not how it works. You starve your body of nutrients, Uh, micro and macronutrients you crave more foods then you're trying to work out on top of that you're asking for disaster and then go back to enzymes thing i was mentioning because i don't think i clarified that your body basically creates the right enzymes based on the foods that you eat so if you want to break down the right foods for energy you have to have the right enzymes to do so being on a program where you're actually eating more and eating healthier foods and creating the right enzymes is such way more beneficial than starving yourself. And that's why experts will tell you, nutrition experts will tell you that they'll put you, if the, you actually eat more in, more in most cases, then eat less. So your body can have the nutrients, develop the right uh, gut, uh, enzymes, and also feed the good, b- good bacteria which helps you to manage your weight long-term. And that's why most diets fail, because if you just think about restriction and getting foods out and trying this here, trying that here, it's not personalized. You, don't, you have to know what works best for you. And without taking those things into consideration, there's no book you're going to read that's going to help you. Now, there's more to emotional eating than just eating too much, or just eating for emotional reasons. And I think I saw that somewhere, I think it was on your website. Break that down for us.
1: Yeah, well, people think emotional eating is just, you know, eating too much or eating wrong foods or whatever, um, which it is. But that's, again, that's a symptom. You know, my experience and from my 30 years of research is that Uh, Emotional eaters also have a different way of being in the world. They literally have a personality type, okay? People who are emotional eaters. And I've uh, outlined this um, in my book and in my programs, and I call it the anatomy of the emotional eater. And the anatomy of the emotional eater uh, consists of 24 personality traits that make up the emotional eater's experience. And um and and personality, basically. And these some of these things come from their childhood, come from trauma, from you know, dysfunction in their childhood, um, and they their learned habits, you know, or ways of being that they carry on into their adulthood. They started as survival skills and they carry them into adulthood. But the point is, these personality traits have to be addressed in order if for an emotional eater to really change their eating. You can't just change your diet. Because the food is a symptom, you know, overweight is a symptom of overeating, and overeating is a symptom of what's eating you. And so you've got to look at that in my experience is, um, I I take the guesswork out of it for people by identifying these personality traits. And the personality traits are, um, there's 24, I'm not going to go through them here, (laughs) we'd be here for a couple hours, but I'll tell you the top trait So people can start to identify or understand where I'm coming from. The top trait um, is people-pleasing. Emotional eaters are typically people-pleasers. You know, we didn't get a strong sense of ourselves growing up. And we basically, um, we, we look for validation from outside ourselves. You know, we, we try to be, you know, good girls and boys. We, we go the extra mile. We do the extra project. You know, we're, we're always the ones running circles around other people. If you want to get something done, give it to an emotional eater. We're not only over eaters, we're overdoers. Okay. And so, but part of this is trying to get validation, trying to get out of girls and out of boys. And so the problem with this Narado is that we end up burning ourselves out. We burn out our adrenals. You know, We raise our cortisol on account of stress. And we're not only you know exhausted, but we're also kind of resentful. And resentment is another one of those character traits, those personality traits of an emotional eater is we get resentful because we don't speak our mind. We don't put boundaries on our time. And we just, we're always people-pleasing. And it just runs into trouble because when you're burned out and you're resentful, then you feel justified in having the, I deserve it binge. You know, it's like, screw them. They're not gonna recognize me. I'm gonna get my goodies, go home, watch my favorite TV show, show and like, please myself, you know, reward myself. And we do that, We we reward ourselves with food. And so, you know, the idea that I'm just gonna change my diet or start exercising, but not change myself and how I got into this weight issue in the first place, that's why we're gonna go back to the eating. That's why we're gonna put the weight back on. You know, we've got to change at a deeper level. We have to start addressing some of these things that drive our stress, that we stress eat over. And, and the good news is, is we're creating it so we can change.
0: Exactly. And you know, I, I love that. I know I'm pretty sure that my audience would definitely need to read your book. Can you tell me the name of the book again, please?
1: It's called Heal Your Hunger. Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Eating Now.
0: Perfect. So um, we, I want to, I recommend getting her book and reading her book and learning more because again, I, I said in the beginning, you may not think you're an emotional eater, but that's really the beginning of the spectrum. So you may be both there or on the cusp and you don't even know. But if you're towards the the spectrum where you are a food addict, you probably know that you are closer you get to being a food addict, I presume, but I want us to stop and think about that for a moment, but I want to add on something there. I did an interview early on um, last year and it was with Dr. Chris Lee and he mentioned stress and people pleasing. And he said this, I never thought about this before. Um, people pleasing is a stress response. He blew my mind. I was like, what do you mean? People pleasing is a stress response. Because you're you don't set boundaries. Like you said, that attaboy. You want people to feel good, right? You don't want to have any kind of arguments. You try to avoid, you trying to avoid any kind of tension. So you just take it on. Say, so you know what? Nobody's gonna do it. I'm gonna do it myself. I, I do it best my way anyway, right? And then you're always stressed. You're always stressed because you're trying to take on way too much. People pleasing is a stress response. The second piece is I did an interview with um Sam Led, transformation specialist. Very intelligent gentleman and um he talked about silence and he taught me this as well in the quiet moments is when we discover who we are when we're always going when we're always stressed you can get motivation you can get drive but you will never get clarity and that's why when I wake up every morning, the first thing I do, I don't check my phone. I don't look at the text. I take about 10 minutes or sometimes longer, especially on the weekends if I have extra time and I just meditate. Usually with my um, aromatherapy machine. So whatever um, essential oil I have mixture I have in there for that day. And I just meditate this for my mornings because we get a cortisol kick when we wake up. That's how we wake up. But then... How you respond afterwards has a big difference because if we get up and immediately I have to start getting the kids ready. I got to take a shower. I got to go to work. I got to do this. I got to do that. And then you just leave from that cortisol kick into your cortisol now spiking. And yes, your cortisol is supposed to be higher in the morning, but it's not supposed to spike like that. Yeah. And then that starts to impact us the rest of the day as well.
1: Well, no question. I'm glad you brought that up because um, it's really, really important for people to overcome emotional eating, to have a morning routine where they are doing exactly what you're talking about and starting the day with, I call them the six self-care success secrets. And one is meditation. uh, Another one's prayer, reading spiritual literature, walking and connecting with nature, talking, kind of expressing yourself and writing. Okay, so these are things that these are tools people can use to start getting still and connected with themselves. And that's really what we need is we need to put money in our spiritual bank account first thing in the morning, because typically we don't have willpower to say no to yummy, sugary, carby foods like we just don't. We're we're like just totally uh, a slave to temptation. Right. And so the only hope we have is to start building resources within us from which we can say no, from which we can have some self-control, but we have to build into that. And I call it putting money into your spiritual bank account first thing in the morning that you can take withdrawals from later in the day. And t- later in the day is usually when we get really worn down and tired and we're looking for quick fix, we're looking for chocolate, we're looking for caffeine, you know, something to give us that, that uh, spike in energy. But we have to build into that first thing in the morning um, by being still and quiet you know, and I, I, so I love that you talked about that because that's, that's part of my day as well. Meditation. I actually meditate twice a day and it gives me renewed energy. It kind of energizes me from within. Otherwise I'm looking outside of myself for that quick energy.
0: Exactly. And you know what I want to talk about walking too. I take generally about 10 to 12,000 steps a day. Um, and walking, not only does it keep your cortisol balanced, I'm not talking about speed walking either, just walking. Yeah, yeah, the no. Scenery. Yeah. But it also promotes fat oxidation. Interesting. A lot of people don't realize that because yeah. when you're in a zone one to zone two workout it's a, or a movement, this, uh, this is endurance-based, more type movement, it actually doesn't really kick you into that anaerobic zone where you need sugars and you need glucose. It it promotes your body to actually use fat that you've eaten and your own fat. And there's so many, so much research on that. I've worked with clients who say, I want to lose weight. Let's, I want to run, I want to do this, I want to do that. I said, What do you think you're paying me for? And, and it's not for everybody. Some people, everybody is different, but I've I've slowed them down, do some kind of ha- have them walk, have them do zone two work, keep their heart rate balanced and don't have their heart rate spike, have weight training. And then from time to time I'll add in the high intensity. Like, you know. When I I started, I thought I always had to run around all time. No wonder why I kept yo-yo dieting and I wasn't losing weight or I would plateau. I said, yeah, because what you've been doing is not best for you. Yeah. So walking, showing gratitude, enjoying the moment around you, communing with nature, all these things play a role in keeping your hormone balance, training to burn fat and use mitochondria pathway to Which is a lower oxidative stress and lower inflammation pathway, which is healthy, even though you do need glucose from time to time, but it can help with that overall desire.
1: Love that. Great stuff. Yep, it all makes sense and it's all vital. We have to slow down. Emotional eaters, as I said, we're overdoers. We're always doing, we're always on the go, and we're afraid to be quiet. I mean, the point is, we're actually afraid to slow down. Why? Because then we're gonna have feelings. You know, and the whole point of emotional eating is to avoid feelings. You know, that's really what's going on there. Is we don't we don't want to feel uncomfortable, so we're constantly munching. We're sort of numb on food and munchy, snacky foods. And the, and when we can start to slow down and not, you know, pack our schedule with too many things, um, have some quiet time, some downtime for walking, or meditating. You know, yoga things that are quiet and meditative. Um, that's when we can start to kind of address stuff and, and know what we're actually feeling. I have people say to me, I'm not an emotional eater, but they're obese. You know, And chances are it's because they're not in touch with their emotions and they don't even realize it's connected to their eating patterns. So the more we can slow down and get off that, that track of overdoing and being busy, the more we can start realizing kind of what our emotions are and then we can start addressing them.
0: Right. And, that and the white fat, when, when you're overweight or obese, that excess, um, white adipose tissue actually has blood blood vessels of its own that actually craves food and crave nutrients. So that's why just getting up and saying, I'm going to die. It's not going to work because you literally have body fat craving food. There is no willpower in the world. That's going to help you with that. Yeah, If right. you don't believe me, listen to my episode with, um, Dr. Ashley Lucas, she has a PhD in uh, in weight management. And that was, I think, about November of last year. Listen, um, Dr. Ashley Lucas, very good episode because we discussed that as well. So it comes down to a lot more than just will, willpower. Again, if moderation and willpower work, we'll all be running, a, running around here with six packs, but <laughs> apparently we know better. So, how does emotional eating differ from emo from physical hunger, I'm oh, sorry, emotional hunger differ from physical hunger and how, we, how do we differentiate between both?
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I often, I mean, I'm amazed at how similar they seem, like you can literally get a growl in your tummy and it can be emotional, you know, and so it's just really, um, it's really important to do some of the things we're talking about here to get, you know, get connected with yourself to really know the answer to that. But one of the things that I find really helpful in this journey of starting to know ourselves is to have a regular, a way of eating that puts space between your meals. And when we're eating all the time, we're kind of numb and we don't know, we can't tell what whether it's physical or, or emotional. Whereas I recommend something called three meal magic, which is eating three meals with nothing in between. And even if you want to do some intermittent fasting, you can still you can put 12 hours, 13 hours between your dinner and your breakfast. But when you have some you know set meals with time in between, eat meals, that's when you can start, you know identifying what your emotions are. You know, and you might feel a little bit of hunger, but it's not going to kill you. It's probably a good thing to to stop being afraid of hunger. And when you know you're going to be eating again, like it's, it's lunch is coming, you know, then you can settle down and start identifying what's really going on. So for instance, if I've had a healthy breakfast, you know, and uh, it's 10 o'clock in the morning, a couple hours after breakfast, and I all of a sudden think I'm starving and have to go to the refrigerator, like I'm just convinced it's time to eat. You know, and I can sort of say, now, Trisha, you just had a healthy meal a couple hours ago. You're probably not starving. So what's really going on, you know, and that's what I can do is I can start identifying what's like, what's driving me. And when I know I've eaten a healthy meal, that's why fasting can really trip people up because if you go too long without eating, you don't, you, you do, you'd have that stress response where I think I'm starving and I have to eat and then you overeat. You know, and so it's just really important that you have regular meals so that you can sort of feel calmer and not be in that 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 stressed out place of feeling too hungry. Um, but you can also start identifying some emotions in between those meals. So I find that really helpful. And just asking the question, just getting curious. You know, stopping. Don't don't act on the impulse of hunger, but stop and ask yourself what's really going on. And that's when you can start to see. Mm, you know, is there something I'm stressed out about? Is there something I'm feeling bad about? You know, I call it the PEP test. You can take the PEP test and PEP is an acronym. And the first P stands for painkiller. So we use food often as a painkiller, like like there's something going on. I'm not comfortable about, or I feel sad about, or I'm hurt about. And so we just stuff it with food. So we can ask, is that, is that what's going on here? E and PEP stands for escape. You know, is, is, is my life feeling overwhelming to me? Am I afraid about something? Do I want to check out, you know, and, and that might be a cause. And the last P and PEP is punishment, which seems counterintuitive because we, you know, think of food as reward, but underlying that when we go overboard, when we stuff ourselves It's often an underlying need to punish ourselves because we're feeling bad or guilty or being hard on ourselves about something. And we can sabotage ourselves by eating something that we know isn't going to feel good for our bodies. And so P, again, painkiller, escape, and punishment. That's the pep test you can take to start identifying what emotions might be connected to our hunger, to our emotional hunger.
0: Um, is the pep test on your website, by the way?
1: Nope. It's in my book, though.
0: Oh, perfect. Okay. So tell us the name of that book one more time.
1: It's Heal Your Hunger, H-E-A-L, Heal Your Hunger. And it's Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Eating Now.
0: So go check it out, audience. I definitely recommend that you do.
1: Yeah, and it's it's on Audible as well if people want to listen to it.
0: Oh, even better. I think <laughs> even better. Um, Now... I want to add something to that, too, about the hunger piece. So hunger is a sign. It's usually a good sign unless you're starving, right? And that's where the fasting can really create an issue, which I do fast, but that's a different conversation for a different day. But one of the things, though, if we're hungry in between our meals, going for a walk and is where the walking and staying in zone one to zone two is very important. Going for a walk can actually lower that hunger. And, and then by going for a walk, our bodies can actually start to feed off our own body fat. Because if you think about our ancestors, our ancestors didn't go jogging for the sake of jogging, right? Our ancestors walked a lot looking for food, and then they'll they run from time to time to hunt down their food. But they move in slow paces most of the time. Humans, that's how we're designed, to move like that. So when we feel like, oh, we're always hungry, we're going, 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 going. Take time for a walk. One of the practices I have, um, and I teach this to a lot of my um, clients who are office workers, is when you get an email and it ticks you off, step away from it. Go for a walk, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, if you want to listen to something, and come back and look at that email. And don't think about it the whole time. Don't go for a walk and go, oh, my God, I can't believe that person said that to me. Like, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm just like, go for a walk, enjoy nature if you can. Get some sunlight and come back and look at that email. And chances are, you're gonna look at it different just by stepping away from it. But when you're in that situation and all that noise, like Sam would always say to me, all that noise going around you, you can't really see what you need to see because you just have too much <laughs> static that's blocking your view. Love that. So, what are three things? you recommend to someone, and I know this is general, right? But just three things you'd recommend to someone to end emotional eating.
1: Yeah, there's, um, there's lots of things, of course, but I'd say starting, you know, especially based on our conversations, starting um, with slowing down, you know, I would just say, you know, again, we've talked a lot about this today, it's so important that we try not to be all things to all people. And we give ourselves time to be, you know, to start slowing down. Um, You know, I'd say another thing uh, that's really, really important is to not try to do it on your own. You know, get get coached, you know, stop trying to master something that that is probably going to be really hard to do on your own. My experience is that food addiction and emotional eating are the hardest addictive habits to overcome because you have to eat you know, so, but people, they don't, they don't have qualms about hiring a trainer, right. To, to do the machines, right. And to, and to get fit, they know, they don't know how to do that, or they can't probably can't kick their own butt, (laughs) you know, so they hire a trainer, but people are embarrassed or ashamed to hire somebody to help them with their eating. Because in our heads, we're like, I should be able to do this on my own, you know, and I would just say, Hey, don't shit on yourself you know and start you know reaching out for help with, for something that is clearly not something you're overcoming on your own i mean if you've been beating your head against the wall for any amount of time it's time to get some help with it and there's no shame in that you know this is not a willpower issue it goes deeper than that and when you have somebody holding your hand and somebody who's really d- taken the guesswork out of it you know can show you a step by step process for overcoming emotional eating it's going to be so much easier. And that goes for community as well. It's hard to do this on your own or even I, most of my clients, I, I just work with them in groups mostly because I do a little hybrid one-on-one end groups, but the groups are so important because... You know, we tend to think we're the only ones who have done crazy things with food and weight, you know, or to try to get rid of our weight. We, we think we're the only ones and we don't realize how common it is. So when you're sitting there on a Zoom call, you know, looking at other people around the world who have done the same crazy things, it just, it, it it's very healing. You know, it heals your heart and the community is very healing, and it, it satisfies us, it feeds us at a dif- deeper level, because it's really not food we're hungry for. We're hungry for connection, we're hungry for understanding, you know, and for community. We're literally hungry for community, and so getting that is so, so important, you know, and the, and the last thing I would, I will just say is it's really, really important so just drink more water. <laughs> I'm going to be really simple here. I know you'll agree with me. Just drink more water because a lot of times we're just we're hungry because we're thirsty.
0: What, I can't drink sodas all the time What are you talking about?
1: <laughs> wow. Go for the water. You can sweeten it with stevia. I'm big into, um, you know, just a little bit of a natural sweetener like stevia. But um, yeah. Stevia just...
0: water sounds uh, gross to me. I haven't tried that one yet. But...
1: <laughs> well, there's flavored stevias, like orange flavor and cola flavor and this kind of thing. And I use them in sparkling water. So I make my own sodas.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah, and we started off by talking about you know I talked I presented the data from APA.org that says that uh 27% of adults say they eat to manage stress and 34% say this eventually becomes a habit right so you're not alone and these are just people that said yes that that's the truth you know we have bad memories and people lie and everything else so we don't know what a real number is but you're the the story is that you're not alone and working with an expert can help you to get there, especially when we're talking about building a community, identifying where you are, personalizing what you need, and getting you what you need so you can stop your, your dieting, you can feel better mentally, emotionally, and physically, and you can repair your relationship with food. So with that being said, please let us know how can my audience get in touch with you.
1: Yeah, um my website is my website is healyourhunger.com and um i you, they can access my podcast. I have a, a podcast called the heal your hunger show and I talk all about emotional eating there. Um and you can uh, people can also take that quiz I was talking about. That free quiz it takes about 2 minutes to take um which tells them whether they're an emotional eater or a food addict or somewhere in between. Um, and I also, um, I'm, in, I'm on Instagram as well, uh, Trisha Nelson underscore, at the end of the N and Nelson.
0: Thank you very much, Trisha, Trisha. oh, I messed up your name there at the end. Trisha, this was, uh, was an amazing interview. I know we have so much more to dive in. We're going to do some work on Instagram and uh, we're going to do some cross-marketing because uh, this people need to hear. And I'm glad there are experts like you who are talking about these tough topics that many of us are just afraid to tackle. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me. Great to, great to learn from you as well.
0: Same here, same here. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for listening to the Zico Health Show. If you got good quality content out of this episode, save, subscribe, and share it out there with family friends, co-workers, or anybody who needs to hear this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.